Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Fitbit Pod. My name is Ben Lomas, and with me always is Dilruk Jaya Singer. Hello, Benjamin. Reporting here from a sunny WSL, uh, and it looks like I'm. Um, look, don't be like that. I'm. You know me. I mean, I've got my severe back issues. We've all got problems, right? We all anyway, do. we can't. Yeah, well, we'll save that for a one-on-one catch-up. But right now we have a guest in uh, who's also in Victoria with you, which we'll get stuck into. Uh, this person and I, we met uh, maybe about two months ago for the first time. And I don't know whether we can say we hit it off. We spent most of the day talking shit about each other. But I feel like it was a kindred spirit nonetheless. Uh, she is a former, former Big Brother contestant, now journalist and podcaster, as well as a social media influencer. I believe we can use that term officially. Please welcome Tully Smythe. That, what an introduction. What an introduction. It's a professional it's a professional operation, right? People can don't know what happened before the recording hit. As far as they know, we are just a slick operation. Slick, that slick, happens. slick. This has been an absolute clusterfuck from A to B so far. <laughs> so I have the bar is really low for this episode because I mean I had to beg for the Zoom link. Then he didn't have the right email. Then you <laughs> took fucking forever to get here, Ben. Dilra yep. sitting there in WA but still wearing a hoodie. Like it's just an absolute <laughs> shit show. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, the link, the, the Zoom link, I always uh, send it like five minutes before the recording because I'm like, why stress anyone out? Because, you know, by logging in early. And Tali had like, you know, for six minutes to go, she was like, you're cutting it fine here, mate. I'm like, I just like to be prepared. I'm we. I'm a slicked old machine over here. here over here at Too Much yeah. Tully, everything is yeah. set up, ready to go. I've got my Ethernet cable. I have the mic. I have the headset. And I just wanted to be sitting here making sure I look pretty for you boys and I didn't have any bloody link. <laughs> Well, look, I didn't say well, that. I'm glad that we we, we brought the prettiness uh, here. I'm here unshaven without. I a didn't hair. wear makeup. As soon as, as soon as you said we weren't using the video, I was like, I'm not putting on makeup for him. Fuck <laughs> that. <laughs> Fuck that. Can I? Can we use that as a kicking off point? As a as a bloke, there's a privilege that there's no expectation of what we're meant to look like or whatever, or less of an expectation. Clearly, I would clearly. Say. Yeah, <laughs> but so something like makeup, for example, at this point for you, how long does it take for you to get to say? Uh, a, a version like that you're happy with being filmed or something like that what's what how much time does it add you know what i'm gonna let you in a little secret i am a, pretty much a tomboy when it comes to getting ready to go out in general i can be ready to go out mm. the door in 15 minutes in uh-huh. saying that my job does require a lot of filming a lot of facing mm. the camera talking to camera taking selfies However, in my eight years of being a social media influencer, because it has been eight years since Big Brother in 2013, I have discovered and developed different tricks to get me through that. For example, I won't say which brand, but I had to shoot some content the other day here in lockdown in Melbourne, Victoria, which is tough because we're all trapped at our houses. I only have like three spots in my house that you'd want to shoot content in two of those are pitch black most of the time so it's tough it's tough boys but i um had some content to shoot <laughs> biting his knuckles as he said that had some content <laughs> says the says the guy in a cubby house with a black sheet as a backdrop um what i, I, would, what, I what i would do for a dark room and to be by myself would be so amazing. You don't have to take photos of yourself for, for a living. It's it's hard. You have to make these I, photos look. I, I can imagine. 
I'm going up against influencers that are in Sydney and, you know, in Brisbane who can go out amongst the world and use, you know, mm. the, the, create different backdrops. I'm literally stuck sure. to these four walls. It's tough. Okay. Anyway, had to shoot content, knew that I was literally going to take the photo and then that was my job for the day. <laughs> Tiny violin. But um, <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I'm not going to put on a full face of makeup for this. I'm just not. I refuse. Right. You know, the one good thing about lockdown is that you get to give your skin a bit of a break. If you're a, if you're a woman listening, you right, understand. Right. No one's going to so see one of me. Your be- one, of, one of your best friends, Olivia uh, Molly Rogers, was on the pod a couple of months ago. And, yeah, so I saw a post that she posted about that saying one of the benefits being that, you know, you cannot wear makeup. Again, as a guy, it's something we don't think about. So, yeah. so putting makeup on constantly is technically unhealthy for the skin? For sure. You just, I mean, imagine, yeah. okay, imagine just slapping paint on your face every day. Like it's not. Well, it's only when I do blackface that I have to do that. <laughs> but funny. that's, that's what... Olivia is a good example because Olivia, you know, she's very put together. You know, she's got a full face of makeup on every day. She always looks immaculate. And I think that's her background in modeling and being Miss Universe. I'm way more low maintenance than Liv. But in saying mm. that, we still have to look decent you know if you're going to share a photo that's going to be seen by over 200,000 people you kind of want to look cute right anyway I I refuse to put makeup on I'm like no not doing it so I found all these different apps and tricks where this is a full (laughs) this is a full-on secret I'm sharing you put the makeup on in post like using an app right Right, so it almost does like it's a filter for you. Or you well, no, it's not a filter. It's 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 editing. It's an editing app. So oh. basically, I took the photo, and then I used this app that Kylie Jenner apparently uses. And if it's good enough for Kylie Jenner, it's good enough for me. And Are I you literally sharing what the app is in case yeah, it's called it's called it's called Perfect Three Six Five. It is <laughs> it's complicated. It's so much better than Perfect Three Six Four. Exactly, <laughs> you need that extra day of the year to look perfect. Yeah. You know, um, it is complicated. I have told a few friends to download it and then they've gone away and tried to use it and I'm like no 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 come here I'll show you how to use it it's 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 fiddly but once you nail it you nail it anyway so I popped on some foundation I popped on some lashes I popped on some winged eyeliner some bronzer yeah and you want I I dare you to find the photo that I've done that too it's like like post face painting do they have this for children (laughs) um well funny you say that because I actually got a Halloween themed um collaboration last year during lockdown and they were like hey uh-huh. we really want you to like dress up for halloween i was like cool dudes we're in lockdown like i can't just go to a costume shop and buy a costume uh-huh. so i put face paint on with an app oh again an app you didn't actually have it on your face wow this is why i wanted to have you in here my mind is already born because when we hung out so give a bit of context ben uh so uh, Talia and I and a bunch of people, including Olivia, we did this thing for Four More Campaign, the Four More Melbourne campaign. And yeah. it was my first time. Um, Can I, I just ask, did you, did you also do it with a with a chef, like a cook? Yes, there... Julia. Yeah, Julia. Yeah, so Julia lives around the corner from us. I was trying to remember. Yeah, okay. No, cool. No, great. <laughs> uh, great little side bit. Thank you. No, uh, it'll, and... <laughs> it'll come up. It'll come up. It'll okay, come okay, up. Great, great. So that was my first time uh, being influence, uh, being around influencing, and I was genuinely. And I'm not, I know I want to talk uh, hang shit on you as much as I can in this episode, Tully. But I'll start off with a genuine compliment. I was genuinely impressed and blown away 
by your ability to create content as we're going, because we were hopping from like restaurant to different ventures to the NGV to various things. The entire time, I did not feel like you weren't engaged in conversation with me, right? We were still chatting, still talking shit. But then suddenly I go on your Instagram and there's like fucking five stories with like essays for everything. I'm like, so she, you were listening to whatever these people were saying and you were talking to me. So I was genuinely blown away by your ability to multitask for, not the, for lack of a better word. But then everything that came out was actually of quality as well. Because I'm, this world of influencer, tell me, is it is obviously there is a standard, right? That, that is expected of you. How do you, like when you got into it, you must have been one of the earliest influencers in, in, in Australia at least, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, firstly, thank you for that. Thanks for noticing. Um, yeah, definitely. I When I came out of Big Brother, social media was still just on the precipice of, of the big boom. We were all using Instagram, but it was just peer-to-peer. No brands were on there. That's for fucking sure. And when I came out of the house, I think I had a private Instagram account and I think I had like 200 friends and they were all my friends that I knew from uni, from school. Right. And then suddenly I came out and I had, you know, I made it public and I went from 200 friends to like 330,000 overnight. And I was like, holy fucking shit, what? And brands were sending me clothes and makeup. And I was just so excited to be getting the free stuff. So I was like, oh, yeah. a new T-shirt. And I was put it on and take a photo. You know, oh, a new handbag, put it on, take a photo. And it was actually Roxy Desenko who reached out and said, you know, you could be charging for these photos you're taking. And I was like, what? Nah, yeah. I just got the free stuff. Like the free stuff's cool. And she's like, yeah, but the free stuff they sent to you, you know, of their own accord, you should be yeah. charging to um, upload these posts. And I was like, that seems too good to be true. So, right, right. but it was very early days, very, very early days. Um, but yeah, there is definitely a stat. And I think also I've learned over the years that if you do a good job, you'll get booked again. Right. So, but mm. I'm glad, you know, there is a knack to it because there's nothing there's worse. There's a definite knack to it because there's so nothing many people worse. do it shit. Yeah, but there's nothing worse as well than being at an event um, or an influencer thing and everyone's on their phones. I think that's so fucking rude. Um, I don't want to be that person. So there is an act to, first of all, you read the brief, right? So I knew the brief. We had like a hundred different hashtags. We were going to a hundred different places. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. you know, I tried to figure out what they wanted from me because there's always an mm. objective. Yeah. We want you to push this, push that, promote this, let everyone know that this is available. That's open on this day and this costs this much. So, you know, you read the brief. I knew what I had to do, looked where we were going, met everyone that we were going with. And then just as I was going, I'm just, just taking constant videos, constant photos, um, talking points. We had some really interesting um, stop, stop-offs that were just mind-blowing. But Dill's right because I'd literally be talking to him like this, but I have my phone and I'm literally tapping. One ear was on Dill talking to Dill and my mouth was talking to Dill, but this ear was talking to the guy, listening to the guy that was talking yeah. and I was typing so what he was saying. we were trying to figure out if he was single or not as well, I remember at that point. And then we were trying to figure out whether we can hook you up with him. Okay, he So is, that was happening. That is, you are trolling me IRL right now. <laughs> he, he was divine. And he was he just, was hot, mate. he was so passionate about what he was doing and it was for the environment and oh. Yeah, it's hard yeah. into it. Now, but so, but so, that's the thing. So it wasn't like, so for me, if I'm doing social, sorry, Benny. You were shit uh, that day. I'm I took all your content. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just basically got face of FOMO, Face of FOMO Melbourne and I took all his content. Brilliant. <laughs> because you're better. If you came to do a stand-up comedy gig, I would help you as much as I can, right? To make you shine. Same way, I'm in your world now. I'm an open micer in your world. I'm barely, you know, scratching the surface. Why not learn from one of the best? 
Fair. Ben, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, so uh, just to go back, um, I'm always fascinated by, uh, by, and we've had you know people who've been on on our show fascinated with uh, their their reason for going on to a reality show. So I was wondering if you could just talk about what pushed you to go on to Big Brother. I think it's interesting because it's not it's not the world that it is today. It's not like what it is today. I think a lot of the time these days with these shows, people are going on wanting to get what I have, right? They're like, you know what? I'm going to go on the show. I might find love, maybe. But what I will get is an Instagram following, social media following, maybe become an influencer, a bunch of free stuff, free parties. That's cool. Mm. So I think that I'm not saying they're not going on in search of love or whatever the fuck the premise of the show is. They might be. Celebrity apprentices for love, I believe. For sure. (laughs) They're, 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 They're celebrities in their own right already. They're just going on for the pay packet slash to raise money for charity. Uh, okay, I hear it as opposed to like a bachelor yeah. Well, like or okay, so Master Chef, you got Master's a bit different. You know, maths, you're going so on maths. to get married and find love, for instance, right? Yeah. I'm not saying that all those people aren't hoping that would be the case, but I think they're thinking, you know what? Worst case scenario, I become an influencer, and I guess right. the difference with what is happening right now. The difference with um, my year and my show and my reasons for going on Big Brother is that that wasn't even a thing. Like yeah. no one, I mean, there were very few select people. We've got Chrissy Swan, we've got um, Ryan Fitzgerald. You know, there are a few ex-Big Brother contestants that went on to have radio careers, but that was never on the books for me. I never had any interest. So well, just I, I find just this- went in there for the experience. I loved it. Yeah, I so, loved the show. I was a fan of the show. I watched. I watched yeah. the show when I was little. I used to watch it up. Um, I used to watch up late. I up watched late, it online. Because what, what I found fascinating is I when I did my gap year, I was living in the Netherlands, and that's when they did the first the first Big Brother ever. So it was like the year two thousand. It was a genuine experiment. So, and I think it was like the statistics was that forty, nearly forty five percent of the country watched the last episode, including me. Like the whole country was hooked. And like, and like now, Big Brother, it's all about you know, it's a cross between Survivor, Big Brother, and you know, Last One Standing. Kind Are you of watching thing. it this season? Uh, no, no, I'm not. Um, um, probably because I'm just trying to. Well, then shut your mouth. So, so, um, so, but but this is what I found interesting is like. Is like now, so from thirteen year, like thirteen years on, so now it, it's just not seen as an experiment. It's just seen as a reality show, and then a stepping stone onto other things. But do you reckon after your season, because you know Chrissy, Chrissy Swan, you know Fitzgerald, all the realities, do you think there's anything left? Is are there any more experiments left, or do you think that reality television now is just a stepping stone into becoming an influencer or a media career or anything like that? I'd like to think that there is still territory, you know, of the human psyche we haven't uncovered yet I, I get what you're saying you know it's not really an experiment but it's still it's a personal experiment like that's the thing with these shows right like I watched every season like I was a fan I had the DVD I had the scratchies I had they had a magazine oh, at one really? point. I was a massive fan of the show right. and and whilst I thought I knew it like as you just said right I thought yeah I've got this I know what happens I know the deal once you get in there you you can't it, it's I was, watch, I, was watching, I was watching this happen on, I was watching this happen on my phone. I was like, what is coming here? Hang on one sec. Uh, here yeah. Uh, yeah, we can see so the influencer in So influencer is probably going to get some free stuff right now and uh, and hopefully That would be hilarious if we suddenly just see that it's a delivery <laughs> of something ridiculous because I think uh, when she uh, when when Tali comes Her life is ridiculous. It, Her life is ridiculous. For both of us, we've had uh, a shoe company, yeah, basically hit us up shoe and company. say, "Hey, 
Yeah, we're good on him. Let's give him a shout out. Let's give him a shout yeah. out. Wild Rhino. Good on you, Wild Rhino. Good on Thank you. Thank you so much. Still waiting but... for my shoes. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> yes. As of my size, well, everything. Never got it. Well, hang on. Didn't you post about it? Uh, no, I did not. So... Oh, so That's what it was. <laughs> what was guess... it? What was it? Booze. Is it Dan, Dan Murphy himself? And More... what is that again? More Question. Now, this is what you have to understand. You have no idea how amazing your world seems from our perspective. Now, first question, was that free grog? Is that someone just sent you free grog to post about? No, I'll be honest. Okay. I, I ordered okay. that bottle for, for a date. Because for, for, for a, a date. date. Oh, all right, we'll get that later. We'll get it. Okay. What, what did you get? What, what's the, what do you order for a date? A really nice bottle of red. Mm. The weather, the weather here at the moment is horrendous, and I had these. I had a couple of things back to back, and I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna have time to duck to Dan Murphy, so I ordered it in two hours. How good's that for a delivery service? I would have thought a multi-million company is gonna generate that much income, being so so good. And no one believes, no one believes that I'm 33. They always card me. I'm like, really? I mean, it's it's compliment, I guess, but just give me booze anyway. What were we saying? The date. Let's just said no woman ever. How much? Said no woman ever. <laughs> we just like how old do you think I am, Ben? How old do I look? Oh, I reckon you look maybe 29. I'll take it. I'm 34 <laughs> this year. Okay, 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 okay. But I, I just love it because I think I got carded at 12, and now my daughter thinks I'm turning 50. <laughs> so, you know, like, I mean, it's the right. Um, um, tell you, so what, what can I just ask? Side question. So, they're based on the date. Uh, how much do you uh, like the red wine? How much does it cost? Because I, I used to be about a $20 for a day, first date. No, this is a and... $76 bottle of wine. Ooh, date number what? Date number what? Five. Okay, yes, Five. that's about right. By that point, you know, you want to start up in your... But also in lockdown, how are you dating? You'd like to have an intimate partner. You'd like to have a bubble. Uh, You'd like to have a bubble, buddy. Okay, okay, and okay. also, as of midnight tonight, who is a fuck? As of tomorrow, as of tomorrow at 9 o'clock... There is going to be a sea of parents just getting drunk. There's going to be just the most insane daytime drinking you have ever seen where parents are just on the bottle. Maybe Dan Murphy's. That's why they've probably got extra trucks out because they are just delivering left, right and centre. Do you know what? There was a delay. I it did I did get text messages saying it was going to be delayed because they're really busy. So maybe you're right with that. <laughs> well, like even with my with my parents, like there's a group. It's just like, it's like, where are we meeting at 12.30 at night tonight? Where are we meeting? Where are we, where are we <laughs> unleashing? Like yeah. Oh my God. It's not far off. Just Jesus. go dogging in the beach. Uh, hey, bringing back into the social media world and stuff like that. Uh, what I want to ask you. So in our world of stand-up comedy, we have what is considered like hack comedy where people in the industry know someone's doing like a really basic version of it, but for whatever reason, the, you know, the crowd still laughs because they don't know any better. Right. Because yeah. they might be just, you know, doing old material, just rehashed kind of thing in your world. Is there a version of like a hack influencer, someone who is like, you know, not necessarily someone specifically, but what are the things? Yeah, definitely that someone specifically. To? Please like, name them. <laughs> <laughs> you have to. But is there something that makes you like the longevity of you being able to do it? For example, you've done it for like now eight years, right? Um, like it's, it just feels like it, that alone to be able to still have an influence and people, brands wanting to work with you takes a lot of skill and effort. Again, I'm giving you genuine credit without trying to be funny about it. Oh, there it comes. Oh, hello, Minka. There's Minky and that's Tully and you know Dill, okay? Okay. <laughs> no, Dill. Oh, yes, you do know Dill. Yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> what do you mean you don't know me? 
Oh, okay. go, 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 go. Bye, bye, bye. I love you. <laughs> All right. So, so <laughs> that's our first sort of like walkthrough of uh, of the, on the podcast. I'll she's already been three times. Couple. I don't know if you've noticed. The, the, she's already been three times. So cute. <laughs> um, yeah, you know what I mean, mate. So, like, it obviously takes effort to 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 try and stay relevant in this world because there are so many people that seem to be chomping at the bit to get in there. Because from the outside looking in, it seems like such an easy gig, right? So there's two questions there. One, what is kind of like the hack version of it? And the second thing is, I guess, what is the hardships of what you do that the average person wouldn't know about? Yeah, I think that, I mean, the reason I'm still getting work and I guess I'm still being paid to do what I do, I think it's because I've always been really genuine and honest about what I'm promoting. I would never promote something that I don't actually use. I, I I don't want to sell out. I would never, you know, I've been offered some pretty crazy jobs and pretty crazy collaborations in the past. And I've just been like, nah, that doesn't feel right. That feels icky. I don't even drink that. You know, like I don't drink coffee. So sometimes like, yeah. you know, can we send you an espresso machine? And I was like, you can, but I don't drink coffee. And I'm not about to pretend that I do, even if you're going to pay me a quadrillion dollars. Any, so, any outrageous products that you've just got? Oh, for sure. I think because of the nature of who I am, me being quite open, quite honest, quite raw, quite, you know, vulnerable, quite potty mouth, um, vibrating, vibrators, they always want to work with me. Sex toys always want to work with me. And, I, you know, my new thing, I'm happy to do that. I'm happy to talk about self-love and sex toys on the podcast but I am acutely aware that a lot of my following on, on social media is still very young and uh-huh. and I just you know I just don't know if if I that's the kind of thing I want to be pushing down their throats as yet how young is when young I, when I can't age gate it um and there are there, there is a new functionality on Instagram which is fantastic um I think it's mainly from when you're working with alcohol brands where you can age gate the content so if you tag, oh. if you tag, if you use the tagged branded tool, which we're all supposed to be using as influencers and you say, you know, Dan, Dan Murphy's, you can then select that only people 18 and over will even see that post. Understood. Oh, that's so that's fantastic. The, I think that, that's a relatively, thing. yeah, it's a relatively new um, functionality that Instagram have implemented, which is great. But, um, but how young is some of your followers, Tali? Like how, how like, uh, there'd be a lot of girls following you, for instance. Um, but how young is young? Like, do you know the breakdown? Like, yeah, yeah, I do. Fast- I mean, it's interesting because I've got the sort of the majority of them have been with me the whole time. So they've followed yep. me from mm. Big Brother. But that's even interesting in itself because I have girls that are following me now that were like 11 when they watched me on Big Brother and they still follow me and they're sort of growing up with me. And then I have the women that are my age. I have women that are older than me. Um, let me get you the breakdown of my demographic. <laughs> and then I have, you can tell, you know, when they, when they message you and stuff with the, the where they speak and they're texting that they're, they're very young. The and I just, but that's really cool that, that, that I really appreciate you sharing that, that there are like certain stuff that you might not want to necessarily collaborate with because it's, oh, like, for I mean, sure. Integra- oh, there's so many, there are, and, there are so and, many and, things I won't work. I won't do so many things. Yeah. Um, so I've got, I would have never thought of you as having morals or ethics or integrity. Like I really, Think that's great to know that. You guys can't see, but I'm giving him the finger via Zoom. Um, okay, so so uh, 0.8% are 13 to 17, and then it jumps right. up to 15, 15.7% at 18 to 24. Um, right. I mean, I've even got 0.7% at 65 plus. So I just, yeah, it's just something that I don't want to be shoving down people's throats. I think that I'd rather talk about mental health and about working out and about you know, anxiety and stuff like yeah. that than I would about 
dildos and vibrators. And but if you're going to have a dildo up someone's throat, you want to make sure that it's, you know, well lubed at least. And also, don't um, get me wrong, that would probably get a lot of likes. But either way, I'm always fascinated that um, is there a long-term strategy with this? So, you know, you've built all this, you've built this following. You've got, you know, 200,000 plus followers. Do you plan out the next five years? Do you have goals on how you want to push this? Is that something you're going to keep doing? Or is it just like, is it seriously a week by week, day by day kind of thing? I think it's near impossible to plan like that with social media because it's such a fast changing, moving beast. You know, one minute um, Snapchat's where it's at. And then all of a sudden we've, we've gotten rid of Snapchat and we're using Instagram stories. Now, you know, TikTok's a massive thing. So Instagram's trying to copy that with their reels. Uh, it's really hard to plan. I mean, COVID's a great example of this. Like the week that I that COVID hit last year, I was supposed to fly to the, uh, not the Maldives, Mauritius for work. Uh, and then suddenly I haven't traveled at all for a year. So it's really hard to plan in this industry. I guess with my thing, eight years is a long time to be an influencer. It's a very long time. And whilst I'm so appreciative, I'm so grateful for opportunities that I've been given and the people I've met and the, the fun things I've got to do. It's not, I don't feel like I'm changing the world. Like I'm not, it's not brain surgery. I'm not, I'm not curing cancer. And I think that my podcast has been great because that's my passion. That's what I really love to do that's where I feel like I'm making the most difference where I'm um, touching people, people are finding it helpful, resonating, inspiring. And so, but at the end of the day, right. I don't have a podcast without my Instagram following. I, it yeah. just, it, yeah. it, it's part and parcel. So I have but to keep, I have to keep Instagram moving in order to have the podcast. They don't ex- right. Eventually the dream would be to have such an award-winning chart topping podcast that I could slowly, but surely walk away from Instagram because it, it has right. been a long, a long and- slog um on the gram and that's what i find interesting because then it's genuinely as you describe it and and i'm not putting words in your mouth but it is definitely a tool that you have been able to use uh to great value to be able to then not only generate an income for yourself but be able to connect to your fans and then with that kind of growing then you can you know add in a podcast or do a bit of tv or you know do a bit of online videos i just i I think i don't think i don't think that every influencer can do that i think that i you know you have to have a brain and you have to have like the only reason I have a podcast is because I can talk. You know, I actually have a journalism background, as Dill mentioned in my introduction, which was fabulous. You know, I studied journalism. I was a journalist first and foremost. I don't think there's every influencer can just start a podcast just because I've got a following. It's not a matter of, you know, um, you know, what's the saying? Build it and they will come. You have yeah, to have something like- worth talking about. Totally, because they might come initially for the first couple of apps because they like your Instagram or whatever, but they, to retain them, again, takes another uh, skill set, right? Mm-hmm. So then That's why it's such a key that. tool. That's why it's such a key tool. Like if you can then use it properly, because then it's not only that, you know, it's the thing where it's like, what's what I find interesting? Like I'll give you, the example I'll give is Julia. I, I've seen Julia around my neighborhood for the last 10 years, okay? Now I've seen her as a chef. Uh, she's got amazing cookbooks. But it was when I met her at the park with her, with her son, it's like a couple of times at first she's driving around in, in, in a beat-up four-wheel drive. And then as her growing gets bigger and bigger and her popularity grows, then I see her driving around in a, in a brand-new BMW. And then I see her like... <laughs> You're <laughs> such a weirdo with that. <laughs> no, no, but it's just fascinating because then is there a there's a threshold because it, it I assume and correct me if I'm wrong I guess I'm just asking the stupid questions but as your following increases do you then earn more income from that or is that just is the, how does that work or is it just the work you put in you know would you be earning the same amount of money at a hundred thousand as you would at two hundred thousand. 
No, I wish, I wish it was just about the work you put in. I wish it was about how engaged the community was. And that's right. something that's really difficult is because sometimes it's definitely about the more followers you have, the more you can charge per post. That's definitely at its very core what this is about. But they also, brands and clients also ask about your engagement rate right? Which is how many likes, how many comments. Now, the thing is with my following specifically, it might look like that a post of mine only got 500 likes and you might go, oh, that's a really bad engagement rate. You know, if she's got 206,000 followers and she only gets 500 likes, oh, what they don't see is my inbox, which is constantly flooded like by people who are so passionate about what I've posted or my podcast or what I've just said it in a caption that they've taken time out of their day to write me essay after essay of their thoughts, feelings, right. emotions. And that's just something that you can't sell to a client or sell to a brand. They don't see that. That's something only I'm privy to. And that's, I guess, why I keep going, you know, for those people and those messages and, and knowing that what I am posting, what I'm saying, what's on my podcast is actually making a difference. I don't think... Yeah, I don't, you don't do it for the money. It's not, it's that weird sort of middle ground where it's like, I'm, I realize I'm privileged and I get paid a stupid amount of money to do stupid things like take selfies, but it's mm. not quite enough to like only do that. Yeah. Like I've got right. three other jobs on the side that no one even knows about that I need yeah. to have to break even to pay my rent. Totally. And you know, stuff like pandemics and COVID, like I've lost so much work. I just seemed to deal before. I had two events. Um, that I had to go to attend in Melbourne the week that we went into lockdown. So I instantly lost that income. So yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky. And as a self-employed person, like as you, we discussed, you know, you budget for that, you plan the next yeah. few months accordingly because there's no, there's no fixed wage that you're going to hit your bank account. So you and there's no like contract which says, Oh, you know, there's no insurance yeah. policy. It's not like, Oh, uh-huh. you know, if it's raining that day and we have to call the event off or, Oh, if, you know, if we're going to a snap lockdown, there's nothing that yeah. says you still get paid that or you get paid a percentage. So you sign totally. contracts, you try and budget, which is so difficult as a freelancer, self-employed person, as any artist, makeup artist, any freelancer would get, you sign contracts, you budget based on that. And then suddenly you're out of work. And what, but don't worry because if you follow me on Instagram you think I'm having the best fucking time over here and that my life is all sunshine and rainbows and yeah yeah exactly and that's that's why I suppose your podcast people would love that because they get to see the full story and I think that's certainly true with me and Ben as well where here we're quite open we've talked some you know some real genuine struggles that we've been going through mental health wise and stuff like that which I don't kind of I don't I keep my Instagram as an escapism even for me it's almost like a photo album that I want to flip through going oh here's some fun times as opposed to capturing my darker times whereas the podcast enables me to because plus the dialogue is a lot better than just sort of trying to caption it in words right so I'm assuming that's what happens with you as well that there is this Instagram uh, personality or persona but the your fans your true fans of the podcast will see the whole iceberg you know rather than just the tip of it Absolutely. Why does, I think well, why does it why can't you put it on Instagram as well rather than just the podcast? Um, it's not about why can't you? I think that over time I've developed whether I it was conscious or not conscious or unconscious, but I've developed this kind of persona, as you were saying, Dill. I've got this kind of like it's my my housemate when I moved in with my housemate Peter. She didn't know me from a bar of soap, she didn't want to watch the show, she's definitely not into the whole influencer scene. And she thinks it's so funny now that we've been living together for a year and a bit and we've been stuck together like glue we're very very close she's like you're just so different to your instagram persona and when i start dating new guys i'm always really nervous 
for them. And it, it happens so quickly because you type in my name and you get 101 Daily Mail articles about me. But I'm like, no, no, no. I, I, I read three. <laughs> about my good. ample assets? They're always about my ample assets. No, um, there, was, there was actually a nice story in The Australian, which I think oh, I would like to touch on. That's but nice. We'll get to that. Um, you know, there's this really beautiful, sweet spot when I first meet someone when I'm da- in, you know, in the dating world where I just get to be who I am right now in this moment. And I get to tell them that, you know, I've had a day of interviews and, it, you know, and I'm, I'm feeling a bit claustrophobic with lockdown. I just get to be Tully right now, right this second. It's very, very short lived because as soon as they Google my name or find me on Instagram, there's 101 questions. There's um, misconceptions. They, they judge me based off my bikini photos or my lingerie photos or the fact that I'm an influencer. Everyone fucking hates influencers. We get the worst rap. No one likes us. Mm. So, yeah, it's tough. I definitely have an Instagram persona. And then as you said, Dill, I don't know why why I'm more open on my on my podcast. Maybe because when I'm recording, it's just me and my co-host. And so it feels a lot yeah. more private and personal. And you kind of trick yourself into forgetting that you're about to put that in the public for everybody else to to hear. Cause I, I went through a breakup earlier this year, a horrific breakup that threw me for six. And no one on my Instagram even knew that we'd broken up. I didn't really say anything about it because I mainly because I was embarrassed, I guess. And then I did a breakup episode in the podcast where I was quite emotional. And that's one of our most downloaded episodes ever. And the feedback from that episode was insane. Um, but yeah, I definitely am more myself in my podcast versus who I am on my Instagram for sure. And I think that's mainly, it's a protection thing. It's a, it's a line of defense. Because um, yeah. of vulnerability, the, 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 being that, vulnerable in a podcast format, I suppose, you know what I mean? You, you, you're I don't have to hear the feedback, right? Like, yeah. I don't read I don't read the Apple reviews Apple podcast reviews because they're fucking awful. It's like, dude, no one made you listen to it. It's literally called Too yeah. Much Tully. Why are you complaining that I'm talking too much? I literally gave you that warning in the title. <laughs> um, but I think that's a good. I think that's, I, I, mean, I get, that's an answer I haven't heard. What happened the, to you, Dad? Did you just have, have a stroke? stroke? <laughs> no, I, I think I think I think I think I think oh, it could no, be the answer. He's actually frozen. Answer. But yeah, I think yeah, before he froze, that was genuinely was him that, talking. Was that him talking, or was that the internet? <laughs> I think I think it's skipping. Are you back? Um, I think we are back. I think we are back. Uh, yes, my internet. I just said my <laughs> internet. The funniest thing. <laughs> connection. Uh, sorry, ever. what were you trying to say? Start again. No, it's just that same thing. I was like, I'm always understanding that you know people you know want to put their true self on there, but with the podcast, there is that element where uh, people have to go to your podcast and they've already invested in you, so therefore you can be more open. But now sure. I haven't heard the answer that you want to protect yourself or or uh, you know not put everything on to Instagram. Well, so there's oh, some of you left over. It's te- it's well, terrifying. I like with this guy that I went through a breakup with. I actually started a private account for the first time in eight years of doing this I've toyed with it I've toyed with it and I thought no you know what I already make my poor friends and family see my face so often on a million other platforms but what happened was I was out with my boyfriend at the time and someone had taken a photo of us and sent it in to this like tabloidy gossipy um, Instagram page outing him. They'd tracked down his Instagram. They'd found him. They put photos of him and his life and his stuff up on this page. And suddenly I I didn't want to have to share everything with everybody. I, I've been doing that for so long and I'm so open, but this is one thing part of my life that I wanted to keep for myself. And mm. so I created this private account literally just to protect him or try to protect him. Um, but it's fucking scary. It's scary. Yeah. It's when you stop and think about the reality of how many people could possibly see what you're sharing, you get really, it's terrifying. And lately, I think what I've been noticing is 
In fact, I had a DM yesterday from a girl that asked me why I always use filters on my Instagram story. She's like, you're so beautiful. You're so pretty. Why are you always using these filters on your Instagram story? And I mean, the short answer that I keep giving everybody is that, you know, when you have to take as many Instagram stories as I do from my job, it just makes things fun. You know, if you can pop something on your head or whatever, you, whatever you're doing with the filter, it just makes my life more interesting. But the real mm. answer is that it's, I've been using them for so long. The thought of just being myself is fucking terrifying. Right. And I know Olivia said that the other day when she was uploading some stories of her with no filter, with no makeup on, with, you know, acne prone skin. She, it's terrifying. You're taking right. this. No, I get that. You're showing your actual self to the world after ben, like. I'm assuming, sorry, can't tell you, but ben, I assume it's something not dissimilar to us with stand up or whatever. Yes, on stage, we talk about our lives and, and uh, you know, but there's a version of our lives that goes on stage, which is different to the version of our lives that's in the podcast. You know what I mean? The version on stage almost, almost always has to have a joke attached to it. Whereas on yeah. the podcast, we can afford to just take uh, the elements of the jokes out of it and just give the real truth. So I, I'm guessing that's a similar thing where there's a persona that isn't inauthentic to who you are in real life, but it's just a sort of a snapshot of a version of your life when things are going great, when things are fine or whatever. And that, you know, it's hard to be vulnerable on stage completely the same way, you know, it's easier to be vulnerable in a podcast format. I'm guessing. Yeah, for sure. And I just think that you, I've got to do... I've got to protect myself somehow. Like I can't, Yeah. Every, every time I, every time I share something deep and traumatic and personal, whether it's my mom passing away from early onset dementia, whether it's my lifelong battle with anxiety, whether it's, you know, my breakup, I'm giving a little piece of myself to all these people, you know, and I'm happy to do that. Especially my, my thing's always been like, I'm so happy to share my trauma. If it makes just one person that follows yeah. me feel less alone, happy to do yeah. that but I am giving so much of myself away. And sometimes that can be really draining and you can sort of just feel really ex emotionally exhausted. So I it, think it's important it's, it's, to put up these little sort of protective barriers. To protect yourself. because like, self-preservation. So for example, my, for me, my experience was, sorry, Ben, was that, that I had, um, I did this bit about calling Lifeline uh, earlier this year. And when it went out, I got a couple of messages from people who said, thank you for talking about it, right? But then I almost, which I appreciate, I'm glad that they said, I was like, hey, I, I, you know, I really appreciate it because I had to make the call and I was feeling, you know, weird about it. But knowing that other people had to do the same thing, it makes me feel better. So I'm like, I'm glad I did it. But then opening up that communication of almost like, what's so the draining. next step? I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't, because I, it's a very draining part of my life to do that. So I can't, you know, dig deep. I found a way to do it in my comedic voice and sort of be authentic and honest. But any deeper, I don't know if I have the strength for that. You know what I mean? Dude, so I, I, get, like I get messages and I'm like, like suicide, like, yeah, people having suicidal thoughts, people, you know, really depressed, people feeling really alone. And, you know, I respond to the first and then they respond to that one. And then before you know it, I spent half an hour and I'm like, I'm not a trained professional. I, I, yeah. I, I'm only giving you what works for me or what, what's helped me in the past. But then, how, right. you know, putting your phone down, walking away and sleeping at night, there's been times when I've wondered, I'm like, did I do enough? You know? Right. But especially, but especially, and that's what I was saying, because Tully, I, I didn't know much about you. And then Dill was like, hey, she's great. I met her before and she'd be great for the podcast. And so with the time I had, I was like, oh, look, I'll just do a bit of a deep dive. And then I came across, it's like, you know, you do have these amazing paid partnerships. And I was looking at that and I was like, oh, you like that product? So I was like, oh, that was a product. And then I came across the article about your mum. And I just found that 
unbelievably moving because I'm currently going through the same thing at the moment. And I hadn't seen that. And I hadn't come across that where it's just like you've got a dear family member who's deteriorating and it's in their head and you can't, like, it's just, it's that process. And I hadn't read or hadn't read articles, but I just found that fascinating because it's like, well, that's the thing that I was drawn to and whether that's part of my life, but quite often when people do talk about their anxiety or do talk about that kind of stuff, quite often that gets the biggest response. So it's this fine line about how much you do share and then creating that sort of environment where people feel comfortable about it. But it does, I, I understand that that would then, take its toll and and yeah. you know and and with, in, in the case of your mother you 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 shared a lot like you shared your whole the whole experience which I, I can only imagine putting that publicly would have been a huge toll on you firstly I'm so sorry to hear that that's horrendous it's it's I, it's the worst in my opinion one of the worst diseases you have to watch someone go through because yep. it just has nothing you can do and it has no hope no cure there's just there's nothing great about it no. um but there there was a time I remember so so clearly that i just flown home to Sydney to see mum. She was still alive, but she was, I mean, barely alive. And it was horrific. And I, um, I'd spent this time with her, you know, she, she looked, I didn't, she was unrecognizable to me. And it had been such a draining weekend with my dad and my mom and my brothers. And I was at the airport flying back here to Melbourne and I was getting all these emails from my management, you know, chasing me on this content I was supposed to be shooting or it was overdue. And I'm sitting there at the airport, like, feeling just so heartbroken and, and so sad and so worried about my mom and my dad and getting these emails about like this fucking fake life that I was living. And I was like, I just, I kind of snapped. I, I kind of had like a weird, like something just snapped to me. And I was like, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't, I can't, I can't pretend that I'm living this fucking fancy life with all these sparkly things when I'm actually falling apart and my life is actually hell. I can't do it anymore. And it, it's one of, I think it's, I think it is my most engaged post out of, you know, over like the last three years, my dad had taken some photos of my mom and I at her care home where I'm holding her hand and I'm just, uh, you can tell I'm distraught and it's a really raw moment. It's super raw. It's super personal. It's super private. And I had up until that point when I spoke about my mom only shown photos of her when she was younger and when she was well, because she's beautiful and she's healthy. And I, I don't want, I don't want to remember my mom the way that I've, basically only knew her my whole life because she was sick for 23 years. I, I didn't, I know she was a really proud, beautiful woman and I, I knew she wouldn't want the whole world to see her the way she was now. So up until that point, I'd only shared photos of my mom when she was younger. There was this photo of me and I still covered my mom's, you know, face identity. It's just me sobbing, holding my mom's hand. heartbreaking for me to look at but I was like you know what fuck I can't I can't keep living this double life I just can't and it was a real turning point for me I chucked a black and white filter on it to just I don't know again that made me feel a little bit more protected and I uploaded it with this fuck off caption I was I remember sitting there I was I was mainly my my act my what you would have seen if you walked past me was someone very fucking angry but I think it was mainly just I was heartbroken I was sad I was frustrated and I just smacked out this huge caption like you think that my life is all parties and freebies and going to events and going to movie premieres and you think my life is amazing but this is my actual fucking life this is my actual reality this is what's going on my world's falling apart my mum is dying my dad is a mess I'm a mess and this is it and I remember saying 
you know, you've bought things off me over the last eight years. You've bought a dress because I looked cute in it. You've gone to a restaurant because I said it was great. If you've ever done that, if you've ever spent a single cent because of me, please right now go and donate a dollar to Dementia Australia because that is what's important. That's what's important to me. That's what I want to promote. That's what I want to promote. Mm. I don't want to promote any of the shit. Anyway, it was a full on mental breakdown. <laughs> My manager called me and was like, um, are you okay? I was like, no, <laughs> I was like, I was like, I need some time off. I can't, yeah. I can't keep doing this as well as this, as well as this, as well as this, as well as this, as well as this. Yeah. And from that moment onwards, there was a real shift in, in my Instagram and I chose, yes, I still did the paid post, but I also, yeah, sure. I also put a lot more time and effort um, into sharing my real life. And, and you're right, Ben, like that stuff always just got the biggest response, the most likes, the most engagement. And we raised a lot of money for Dementia Australia. And I think from that moment onwards, I realized that I always kind of thought that my mum's illness was so unique to me because I was so young when she was diagnosed and because, you know, it was my, I was in high school when we were going through the thick of it, you know, when she was really, really sick and at home rather than being at care in a care home. And for, and for people who don't know, it, it's not just the person going through it. Everyone goes through oh, it. Oh yeah. And but you know, and it's not the just a heartbreak of it all. Yeah. It's not just an, I think the biggest misconception with dementia is that it's an old person's disease. It's not, it doesn't age discriminate at all. People as young as 30 years old can get it. Yeah. And so wow. whilst, whilst I most, did not know that. Yeah. And it's the second leading cause of death for females in Australia. Wow. So it's just insane. And these stats are terrifying, but no one wants to talk about it because it's not as cool as breast cancer or, you know, there's not a celebrity. It's, it's still labeled as an old person's disease. Yeah, but it's also, it's right. also what, who wants to talk about a disease that has no hope? There's no celebrity survivor to wheel out no. at, at parties. There's no like, you know, fun advertising campaign to get behind. You can't go buy a fucking daffodil for dementia. So mm. no one's fucking talking about it obviously a sore spot. Um, but the thing that, you know, I think what I realized is that yes, whilst I felt supremely alone and isolated growing up with my mom having dementia early onset, um, after sharing more about it on my social media, any person that followed me that had lost a parent or had a sick parent could relate. Didn't matter if it was cancer, dementia, MS, mental health, bipolar, anyone who felt that they'd lost a parent in any way, shape or form was relating to what I was saying. So that's why I continued to share the story, you know, and continued to do that even after her death in 2019, because it was still resonating. I was still making people feel less alone. So I continued to talk about it. And, 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 but what I found amazing though, is even in, in the brief time I was looking at it and also for someone who, you know, is, is dealing with like that at the moment, it, it, it that, that post and, and that moment of you sharing cut, it cuts through all of the other stuff, the other stuff's important and you, and you still do it, but it's just amazing that it cuts through. And I'm always in so fascinated in that world when someone has a public profile that, you know, do you, do you have to then pull back or you go, well, this is how much I'm going to share. This is quite a lot. But then I assume that in some cases, some people will then share everything. But then if you share everything, then what's left of you then? There's also the matter of fact of the fact that I lost jobs from sharing that post. Yeah. You know, I had alcohol. Really? Yeah, I had alcohol campaigns coming up and they thought that it was too risky to be associated with someone who was having some sort of mental snap. Interesting. Um, similar wow. to the fact, similar to when, Dil, I was talking to you about, you know, I, a couple of years back I spoke about going on a health kick and then I wanted to cut out alcohol for a bit. That lost me mm. jobs too. And there was a Daily Mail article that the headline read, Tully Smythe's secret structure 
secret struggle with alcohol and suddenly I was an alcoholic. Yeah, right. yeah, but yeah. I think what the thing, Ben, in answer to your question is, I think what I found interesting and confusing and a bit overwhelming when my mom did pass away, I took time off social media for obvious reasons. I just wasn't even anywhere near my phone, on my phone, let alone on Instagram. And I took two weeks off all up, but people were messaging me. So I want to say thanks for sharing that. I really appreciate it. I know it's it obviously something quite personal and, 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 and close to your heart. And I really appreciate you sharing it. Um, I just wanted to, just before we jump off the dementia element of the chat, is, is that something that you still work with? Are you still like, is there anything that you want our listeners to go to? Uh, yeah. Um, like I, I was supposed to be in Canberra last week speaking at a dementia conference, um, uh-huh. which I was looking forward to just spreading the word. I, yeah, I'm definitely still supporting Dementia Australia and doing all that I can to raise both funds and awareness. I'm actually uh-huh. in the midst of creating a support group for young people who have grown up with dementia. So what I'm right. finding more and more and what's unfortunately going to happen because with the baby boomers getting to this age, we're going to have a lot more people in our lives that have dementia. And there's just, for young people, there's so many resources for um carers of dementia and and that's usually the partners of the person that has the dementia there's not a whole lot going around for the children of the people with dementia and people like me who grew up with it but even people like now who are say 30 something years old who are going through it with their parents there's not a whole lot going around and as I had more and more and more and more and more and more dms about hey my mom's going through this my dad's going through this I'm really struggling no one gets it my friends don't understand and I'm spending more and more and more and more time replying to the messages. I thought, you know what? Yeah. I need to just create a hub where these kids can all get together and talk to each other and be there for each other. And so they don't feel alone. Mm-hmm. I'm one woman show and I'm happy to do what I can. But I think that if there was this yeah. place, whether it's a Facebook group, whether it's a website forum, I don't know what it looks like yet. I'm in the middle of planning it. But uh-huh. Where these kids can all come together and share their experiences uh-huh. and, and be there for each other. So that's kind of what um, I'm planning right now. And, and, and it's I'm, also, it's and also I'm a reminder that... It's just also a reminder that for people who do have, and, you know, similar illnesses like that, where there needs to be, you know, dedicated places where they can all, you know, get respite and get looked after with the same kind of people. Because there's nothing worse than seeing a person that young suffering something like that and then having to go into a nursing home because there's no other facilities. And I think that's, that's a real common one that it's just there's not enough facilities for people like that, you know, you, sure, you can be going through that. You can be young in your families, but also create a space that you can still enjoy the time that you have together. I'm always... Oh, mum's first care home was horrendous. I've said this yeah. before. It looked like a psych- psychiatric ward in a horror movie. Yeah. It was it was awful. And Ugh. and I definitely, you know, it took us a long time to find somewhere that we could safely and comfortably leave mum because, because she was so young, because she was so fit and able. She needed 1v1 care. And there aren't a lot of places that have the capacity to have that. So... No. The whole system, the whole process was an absolute nightmare and just com- com- compounded what was already a horrific time in all of our lives. Um, but that's, yeah, that's almost for another podcast. Another, I can talk about that for, for a very long time. Don't get me started on the system. Don't get me started <laughs> okay, on the okay, system. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm lucky enough to not have to have dealt with uh, dementia in my life um, in any capacity. But uh, is it something that is, is there a thing around that? Uh, do they know if it's something that is like, you know, if the one person in the family has it, you're likely to have it. Anything, any knowledge around that? Tom? Yeah, I, I know a little bit. I try to avoid, I can basically get genetically tested. 
Um, but a lot of people don't. It's just something that I don't have any interest in right now. I, it's, right. As, as I said, it is a bit of a death sentence uh, and I just don't see the positives in me finding out that kind of information at this Absolutely. point in my life. It's, it's interesting you say that. We've had a previous guest, Michelle Brazier, talk about a family illness that, you know, she said she's not getting tested for either because she almost feels like if she got the test and got the confirmation that she's likely to get it, she's definitely going to get it. As opposed to if she doesn't know and she still takes good care of herself, she feels more confident that she's doing everything right. So there's no need to know whether she has this particular DNA or whatever. For me, it's it's like I could also just get hit by a car tomorrow. So I yeah. like I don't I'm not someone who is mentally. I mean, there I'm sure there are people out there that would be like, okay, so I'm gonna get it. I'm just gonna live my life to the fullest. I'm gonna go skydiving tomorrow and then bunch up in the next day. I'm gonna go live in Paris for two years. Power to them. Kudos. I'm not like that. No. And mm. I just the don't, art in COVID. <laughs> yeah, I just don't need that kind of that kind of dark cloud hanging over my head for the rest of my life. Right. So. Yes, there are tests I can get done. Yes, my brothers and I are across them. No, it's not something that that any of us are considering at this point in time. Look, it could change. I definitely, I am getting older. I am still single. And, you know, if I'm starting to look into things like freezing my eggs, it might be something that I have to look into in terms of not wanting uh-huh. to pass anything on. Um, and it's definitely Does something it that keeps me awake at night and and <laughs> and causes me daily anxiety for sure. For sure. And, and that, I mean, I guess my, my follow-up question to that was going to be, A, just how does it change? Uh, do you have versions of where you go, look, i got to live my life, you know, in this new manner now that I know there's a chance of that? Or the second part to that is what are you doing to look after yourself mentally around your anxiety and things? Uh, uh, what, what systems do you have in place around that? I think if you know me well and or you've, you've dated me, it's definitely watching my mum deteriorate in with that disease that has changed me it's not so much i might one day no actually that that had that definitely has a partner i think my mum losing her life in every way except physically at a very young age you know her youngest was 9 years old when she just stopped talking wow and, and it's that's it's just it's horrific and so i think that that is why you know if i like you if we're dating if you're close to me i am I never want to live a day where I haven't told someone how I feel about them. I'm very, I'm, I'm a lover. And if I, if I have a crush on you, if I like you, you're going to know about it. I'm going to tell you because I don't want to have any regrets on my death, but I want people in my life to know how much I love them, how, how important they were to me. I, the same way I, you if, call me a dumb cunt quite regularly. Yes. That's because I need you to know that you're a dumb cunt. I would hate to die tomorrow and you mm. not appreciate that how dumb you are. Especially wearing that opportunity. offensive. We could also know you're a dumb cunt. Especially wearing that offensive orange hoodie when you're in WA. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. I, I think actually that it, like the hoodie, but anyway. No, it's hot. <laughs> it's hot. Like it's, a, it's an offense to us here in <laughs> Melbourne. I know. Yeah, I think that I definitely live my life to the fullest in that regard. You know, I love really hard. I love really hard. I love really fierce because mm. I might, my time might be up before I'm ready. And, and I just want to know that everyone in my life knew how much I loved them. In terms mm. of taking care of my anxiety, I actually went through it. I was speaking about before on a different podcast about mental health, but I went through this really horrific stage uh, in 2018 where I, I had a really bad breakup. I was turning 30, which is a really scary moment for a lot of females for different reasons, mainly societal pressures that we place upon ourselves. Um, and I, I was turning 30 and I just, I just didn't like where I was in my life. I was still single. Everyone around me was getting married and having babies. And I just felt like I'd failed life thus far. 
and my anxiety was flaring up. I've had anxiety my whole life, but it flares up at different moments. I can, it's kind right. of, I can deal with it most days and then something will happen like, uh, you know, a breakup or I'll be moving house or a global pandemic and then it really flares up. I do, over the years, I've figured out different ways to self-soothe and deal with it and, and manage it. But this particular Do you have ways to recognize when it's kicking off so you can sort yeah, of Yeah, for sure. And if I ignore that, like that, and if I ignore that, yeah. those those initial signs, you know, the lump in your throat, the the nausea, the um, heavy, you know, beating heart, the sweaty palms, if I ignore those for too long. Eight mile M&M style. Yeah. Do you have a mom's? Yeah. He's weak, um, spaghetti. Um it's almost like if you imagine it, it for me, it starts this sort of this really heavy pit in the bottom of my stomach. And if I don't deal with that and acknowledge it and figure out the trigger or, you know, go for a walk, meditate, it will start coming up my esophagus. It feels like it's coming up to my throat until eventually it's like choking me and then squeezing the air out of me. So it's um, a physical manifestation. That's how I feel. That's how I see it. I'm and like, I can feel how it. How quick can it? How quick does the feeling sort of say from gut to throat like that? So quick, you spiral, you know, that there are spiraling thoughts that's part of anxiety and and it took, you know, it becomes a panic attack, really. Yeah. Well, basically what happened was in this period of my life that my anxiety was so bad and so debilitating that it got to a point where I was convinced I was showing signs of early onset dementia. Yeah, I can see. Oh, wow. What had happened was, and I didn't know this because I think when you've had anxiety your whole life, like I have, you think you know the beast, right? Like you think, I know what anxiety looks like. Anxiety makes me feel X, Y, Z. I can feel anxiety coming on because I'm feeling X, Y, Z. And when you've had it since you were five, you think you know it. You think you know it in all its different forms and, and, and variations. What was happening, my anxiety was such a crippling point and it was so overwhelming that I was forgetting things things that I should know. I've always, I'm very, I'm anal retentive. So, you know, I'm the kind of person, if you're at a dinner party and there's someone walking up towards us saying, oh, hi, deal. You're the one in my ear saying, who the fuck is that? And I'm the one saying that so-and-so he's married, blah, blah, blah. He does this X, Y, Z. His kids are Polly, Anna and Sarah. Like that's, that's my job. And suddenly I was forgetting my pin code on my fucking phone that I put in every day. I was forgetting people's names. I was losing my keys, locking myself out, little things like that that I had seen my mother do in the early stages of her illness. And I was suddenly convinced I was showing signs. I was convinced I'd given up on life. And it was a really scary time in my life. It was a really, really scary time in my life. So is it basically instead it's your brain basically shutting down all the other things? So So what happened was my psychologist, who is amazing, she thankfully, just by pure luck, she had... Her mom was also going through the same thing my mom was going through. So she had experience dealing with this. And she said, look, you're so convinced of this that I think the only thing we can do is put you through testing. We need to, we need to put you through cognitive testing, which is one of the early tests that you do to see if you have Alzheimer's. And I was, I was like, yeah, okay, you can do that if you want. But I'm telling you, like, I was, I can't even, it was scary how I was just, I was, I'd give up and I was like, I'm going to die. I'd see couples in the street holding hands and I'd look at them and that, that's not going to be me because I'm, I'm dead soon. Like I was Fuck. terrifying. Yeah. Anyway, so I went and did these tests and the one that really sort of blew my mind and probably in hindsight, the one that sort of snapped me out of whatever the fuck headspace I was in was really extensive tests. And some of them were super easy. She'd like, you know, show you a figurine and you'd have to, you know, she'd take it away from you to, you had to copy what you'd just seen. Word games, puzzle games, numbers games there was this exercise where she was like, I'm going to go through and read a bunch, a list of words and they're all going to have a pair. Anyway, she started it and then she started testing me and I got the first, you know, 
five or six right. And then I got the first one wrong. And then my brain went, oh, oh, and then I got the next one wrong. And then I got the next one wrong. And then I got the next then one wrong. And I and the more I was doing that, the more I was like, I'm, I'm failing this, I'm failing this. I have Alzheimer's, I have Alzheimer's. Did it a few times and she was so great. She was like, yeah, great, good work. And I was like, no, no, that, that wasn't right. I know that, I know that wasn't right. <laughs> and she's like, you know, what do you have on for the weekend? And I was like, oh, at that point, I completely retreated from yeah. everyone. I wasn't seeing anybody. And I was like, I don't know, nothing's sitting on the couch, fucking waiting for my time to be up. And she goes, oh, okay. Well, anyway. And then right as I'm about to leave, right, I've got my bag on my shoulder. She goes, all right, can, sorry, I forgot. Can we just do, I forgot, I forgot one of the, can we just do one more little thing? And I was like, yeah, I guess, okay. Sat down. She goes, we're just going to go through that list one more time. And I was like, I forgot. I let them all leave my brain. Went through it. I got 100%. Yeah. Right. And she was like, I haven't finished my results. I haven't written my report. But to me, right there, that is your problem. Yeah. She's like, you don't have dementia. Your anxiety, you're so clouded in your brain right now. You're so stressed. You're so pressured that you can't see straight or think straight. And she goes, I just let you relax. You thought you were going home. You'd mentally switched off, left the room. It was all in there. You had the information in there. You have the retention. She's like, you're just not getting it out. And I burst into tears because it made so much sense to me. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh my God. And I was like, I just didn't think anxiety could affect your memory. She goes, what do you fuck? Should it absolutely can. And I was like, well, very clearly, very yeah. clearly. How old, how old were you? I just turned 30. Yeah. Amazing. Whenever you get the diagnosis, it's, it's life changing. And then, um, Tully, thank you so much for coming. Unfortunately, I wish we could keep going, but no, that's right. I just looked at the time as well. I'm like, oh my um, goodness, I can talk underwater. Needs to have a meeting, and I'm using all the bandwidth. Um, um, hey, thanks so much. I, I absolutely love that chat, and and again, it always goes places where we never expect it to go. So um, yeah, I was like, I really... deal. I didn't answer any of your planned questions. Are you right with that? So, you had... so... Of course, no. So no touch on trolling. So yeah, but... no, we will we'll, like you know if you're doing your experience this time, we'll try and get you back if you're up. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> but yeah, but... honestly, genuinely appreciate you sharing yeah. uh, all that. Uh, stuff especially uh, something so close to and personal to you i, I think it as you said it, it is something that you know various people go through and there's no avenue to try and find out you know how to get help around it as well but i also really appreciate your honesty again so thank you and, man. and thank like, you so and much like for you taking s- your time and like you said if it even if these stories even strike one person Absolutely. Like one person it makes a difference yeah. and uh, thanks so totally. much for so, having me guys sorry for taking so much of your so time pre- no, no, I appreciate it a lot. Thank you. Uh, quick plug. So uh, Too Much Tally is your podcast. It is. Uh, Tally.Smythe on Instagram. Uh, anything else that you'd like to, uh, our listeners to seek out? No, nah, listen to the podcast. Leave me a great review. That's all I ask. Yeah. Love Cheers it. and read the Apple reviews, but leave a good one, please. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. And same for us as well. Leave Apple reviews. Uh, for yes, Pet, please. Uh, uh, Patreon as well for all your watchdog support. We appreciate that. Uh, ben and I, we're on Instagram, Ben Lomas, Benny, ben Lomas Comic and Dural J. Uh, and uh, I'll be in Brisbane, uh, Darwin. All my tour dates will be on my Instagram. So, and of course, the Amazon Prime um, Bundle of Joy special. Please check that out. Ben, anything else for you, uh, Adelaide? Yes, I'm still in Adelaide uh, with Josh Earl. And then, of course, right. waiting on how the restrictions happen. But I will also have a show in September. But right. uh, again, um, um, thank you, Tully. No, thanks. Thank thanks you so much, Tully. Catch you soon. I'll try and hang more shit on you and others, Bob. <laughs> Can't wait. Bye. 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 Cheers, mate.